What's going on, everyone? Welcome to the first weekly episode of Grounded, and it's kind of a mini series that Aisha and I went back and forth on um, about we want to be able to provide as much value to the audience as possible because we get a lot of DMs, messages, text calls asking, hey, how do you guys value land? How do you guys wholesale land? What do I need to look for? What do I need to do? And so we want to be able to give back a little bit um, in our business and in our time. And we understand that wholesaling land isn't a hot commodity. A lot of people don't do it. And so, and we also understand that not everyone does it full time like we do. You know, you're out there hustling, you're out there trying to find deals, you're talking to agents, you're talking to sellers, you're talking to everyone. And sometimes land deals just get thrown in your lap and your curiosity spikes. I've never done a land deal. If you're like me, the first time a land deal came to me, I was like, what, what the hell do I do with this thing, right? Um, and so we want to be able to help you in those situations, whether again, whether you do it full-time or part-time or whatever it is. So um, we just want to take a deep dive. Um, but first, I wanted to talk about a little bit why we got into land rather than property. Funny enough, Aishram and I met wholesaling a property together. Um, we actually both started wholesaling, you know, traditional, you know, single family real estate, um, residential real estate. And, you know, we had a good, we both had success at it. We both closed deals, um, all that fun stuff. But as the more we kind of got into it and, we, you know, we started working a lot more together, ultimately building a partnership for our company, which now we own Unwind Investments, um, we just saw it was best fit and more aligned towards our end goal. And so we wanted to ultimately become developers, not flippers. Um, and so it just, we, we figured it'd be the best way for us to learn how to properly underwrite, evaluate, network all that fun stuff um, for our future goals of ultimately developing, you know, land. Um, and so that's kind of why we jumped on the, I can't say the land bandwagon, land bandwagon, because it's not really a thing right now. Um, but that was just a quick breakdown of why we're in the land um, full time. And so um, I, recently we've been getting a lot, how do you guys truly evaluate, you know, lots and parcels of land and all of that fun stuff? Um, and the truth is, it's it's not easy. Um, there's that stigma around wholesaling land that, oh, it's easier. Uh, it's just a plot of dirt. You don't have to factor in how much the roof costs. And um, I got to put this vanity in. Do I want granite? Whatever, all that stuff. Um, but at, in my opinion, and I, and I probably can speak for Aishim on this, is it's I don't think it's easier. I actually think it's harder. But I think it's because of how we, we, we go about doing our business. Um, and so there's two types of offer methods that I call. And a lot of people... Uh, hear about uh, percent-based offers, right? The kind of the traditional that when you get into land or you hear about land, people are say, oh, just offer 15 to 20% of the resale value of a new construction. Um, and that may work in some cases. Um, and, and more often than not, it probably, you're probably going to be pretty close. Um, but as the market adjusts and all this different stuff, we don't do percent-based offers. Um, we actually deep dive into every deal that we, we come across or at least qualifies. Um, we don't, we, we do everything off market too. So it kind of, it's a little bit different for a lot of people in that regard. Um, but again, we don't do per, percent based offers. Um, and, and the reason for that being is we want to understand, like I said earlier, how to properly evaluate the dirt or the land. And so when you do a percent based offer that works, if you're doing like a direct mail campaign, because you got to, especially if you're sending blind offers, you kind of just, you don't have time. You're not going to be able to underwrite every single a uh, lot or piece of land and send out 3,000 mail. Sure, you could, might take you all year, but you, you could definitely do it. Um, so that's where the, the percent-based offer is way more common. 
Um, for what we do, we cold call. Um, we're, we're to TTP, baby, Brent Daniels. Um, we're, we're, we stick to the, the nuts and the bolts and the roots of this whole thing, man. We, we simply cold call um, and drive for dollars. And so that's how we find our deals, which allows us to be able to underwrite these deals in a, a timely, or not so much timely, more effectively rather than efficiently. And so we get a deep dive and learn that stuff. Um, and so hopefully, I, I really hope that makes sense. And I would love to go more into that, but I don't want to spend this whole episode talking about those type of offers. Um, why is land? Uh, why do people think land is easier than property? Um, I truly, I don't know, but I think it's because of that percent base. Um, here's the thing about land is there's different, just like when you're wholesaling real estate, like single or residential real estate, um, there's different types of builders. There's different types of buyers. There's different types of developers. Um, those of you that are wholesaling traditional residential, you know, there's a flipper, there's a buying hold investor. As I always do multifamily stuff. There's all kinds of different niches in residential real estate. The same thing with land. It's not like you just go find a plot of dirt and every developer is going to build on that. Uh, and that's where we're going to get into a little bit in this episode on the nuts and bolts of why that is and how to properly at least have a very simple idea of what it takes to um, look at a piece of dirt and say, okay, this is what I need to look at maybe where this um, potential development uh, aligns or what direction I need to go um, for what type of buyer. Um, so I'll start with, there's, you know, there's about four or five general uh, types of land, which is residential, um, a lot, or residential type land, which is where your family do like agricultural land. Um, Aisha, what do you got? I know you're about to jump in. Yeah, I just, it, it sounds like you're, I don't know if it's, if anyone else out there can hear it, but the, the audio sounded a little wonky. It's, it's fading in and out. Guys, if you are hearing, uh, if Tanner's mic sounds weird, if you throw a comment or something up there, just, it'll, it'll let us know. I just want to make sure that you guys aren't hearing it the same way, way I am. I can still hear you, Tanner. It just kind of sounds like you're a little underwater at times. So, but you're, you're good, man. Fire away. Yeah, I just moved but, my mind. By the way, hi, everyone. Thanks for giving me a chance to say hi to the people, Tanner. Good Lord. Man. There you go. You get this guy yeah. talking about land and he'll just go. Yeah. I, <laughs> hey, look, I, I, no bullshit. I'm just blunt. Like, let's just get into it. Um, I, I want to talk, talk land. Um, and those of you that I have talked with, I see Remy. Um, you guys know that I can talk your ear off with this stuff. So, um, but anyways, the, and I don't want to spend too much time on the different types of land, but just understand that there are um, there is a variety. Um, and so what we specifically, you know, you know, what our target is, um, we, we really like infill lots, residential lots. We don't do rural, um, which is, you know, you're talking 100 acres out in BFE. Um, we avoid all of that. And the reason for that being is, it again, doesn't align with our, our end goal. Um, you know, those rural parcels, you're not really going to have any development um, if it's way out in the middle of nowhere. Um, and so it just doesn't align it's, for us and it's that simple. And so we like to really focus on what we want to do and where our company's vision and goals are. Um, and so for that reason, I want when I talk about the valuation of land, this is going to be really simple in terms of it's really infill lots, residential type properties, which again, most that's what most of you guys come across. At least we get when we get DMs, it's very rare that we just get a rule super rural in the middle of nowhere um, parcel, but it does happen. And so um, for those that come across infill lots, 
residential lots where homes can be built. Um, that's, that's where we specialize in, at least that's where we target heavily. Um, so starting with that, there's a few key things that you need to look at for underwriting properly, or at least for um, paying attention to before you make an offer, um, maybe even during your due diligence period um, with, with builders. Um, but the few things you need to pay attention for is the first and foremost is the utilities. Um, when you're looking at a lot, um, you know, you need to know if that lot has access to utilities, whether that's what, which is city water, sewer, or potentially septic, depending on where you're at in the country, um, electricity, natural gas. Um, those are like your four, obviously main, and I believe only actually, now I think about it, uh, utilities, um, sewer and septic. If you're in Florida, like we are, that's the biggest one. Um, cause typically again, when you're dealing with residential lots, there's already, it's usually already in a developed area, meaning it's going to have water. It's going to have electricity. It's going to have gas. Um, but sewers, sewer, sewer lines are really the ones that you need to pay attention to because that's where a lot of money can get skewed, um, for a builder. Um, if they have to pull a sewer line to your property because it's in a street, um, two blocks over, then, um, you know, you're, you're talking big bucks. Um, there's a lot of money involved in that and it's a lot of time and lengthy process. Um, and so that's why we like to, to focus on the utilities almost first and foremost before anything else. Get that question out of the way. See if a seller or an agent knows what's going on with the utilities, and then we can really start to work from there. Um, and so the biggest thing, and I'll, I'll, I could talk 30 minutes on this topic alone, but the biggest thing between sewer and septic is pretty important as well. Just because they're two different things, don't think they're equal. Um, they're both costly for one. Um, septic tanks usually are around 10 grand just to install. Um, now, obviously that varies depending on the company and whatnot, but the reason that that's so important between sewer and septic is in most areas and most jurisdictions, at least in our market, um, septics, it's hard to build what you want to build on a septic tank. I'll say that because a septic tank requires a certain amount of land it has to take up and all this kind of stuff. But rather when you tap into a sewer line, um, you know, you can build whatever you want. And so that's why we, we, we focus on finding that information out almost first and foremost, because that's what builders want to know. I, I work dispositions in our company. Isham is that head of acquisitions, closer or whatever you want to call it. Isham hammers down the phones on these sellers um, and then passes this stuff on to me. And then this is where I do my work, which is understanding all the utilities, talking to builders. And so um, builders, that's the biggest question they ask me when we have a deal. Hey, is there sewer? That's the first thing I usually get. And so that's why I wanted to point that out. One of the, the next biggest thing is zoning. Zoning actually can be found on a local GIS. And so I want to show you guys what that looks like real quick. So your local GIS map, um, even maybe some property appraisers, depending on your county and kind of what software and whatnot they use, is going to have your zoning. Zoning is important because you need to know what can and cannot be built on a lot because um, that ultimately affects the value. If your property is zoned R1 and in most areas, R1 zoning means just a single family property, which is what that one stands for, one unit. Um, you know, that, that lot has a cap at what it can be, you know, sold for essentially to a builder. But then you get into the difference between say an R1, a residential lot versus a commercial lot, commercial lots. It's, it's like the wild west, not going to lie to you because it just solely comes down to what a developer. And I'm talking like a big boy developer, people that put Chick-fil-A's on lots, uh, oil change places, um, super, you know, Walmart's, whatever. It's really whatever they want to pay. So commercial, that's why we kind of stay away from commercial a little bit because it literally is the wild west. Um, and so back to the zoning, you know, zoning, let, I want to use an example before I show everyone what the GIS map looks like, or at least how to find it and kind of uh, maneuver through it 
the, I want to use an example of an R2. So R2 and R um, market, you know, stands for two units, you know, per acre, essentially. Um, now, per acre can be skewed depending on if it's uh, whatever jurisdiction, if it's in a certain city, whatever. So I don't want to get into too crazy, but I'll just use R2 for an example. Um, so at most, you can put a duplex because it allows two units. So why is that important? Because one builder, you may mark, you may get your property under contract or get your lot under contract, go to your builders with this. One of those builders may only want to build a spec home on that lot, right? But you take it to the builder next door and he's like, no, I'll put a duplex and turn it into a, you know, a long-term rental. Well, who's going to pay more? The duplex. Why? Because he's holding it long-term. And so that's why it's important to understand um, the zoning and what the best use for that lot is or th that plot of dirt. Because again, I want to go back to residential wholesale traditional. When you're marketing a traditional single family residential property and you go to a fix and flipper and you take that same to a buy and hold investor, who typically pays more? The buy and hold investor. Why? Because they don't have to eat so much cost up front. It's the same thing with development. Um, so that's why it's important to understand your zoning and what's the best use for that land. Um, and then the last thing before I jump into the GIS is understand flood zones and your wetlands and the flood zones and wetlands are going to be able to be found on your GIS map for the most part. Um, I, I don't think I've ever ran across a GIS map that does not have um, a flood zone or wetlands map of some sort where you can identify if there's potentially any wet spots on that on that lot or parcel. Um, and why is that important? So flood zones. It can, it can affect the value depending on what the flood zone is. And what I mean by the value is what a builder is going to want to pay for that lot. Um, because when if it's in, you know, like flood zone X is what the whole country uses, which determines there's no flood zone. So in a hundred year FEMA flood zone, the chances of that lot flooding for whatever reason, whether it's a storm, or, you know, massive rainfall for like six months straight, um, you know, the chances of that lot actually flooding and being wet is like a 0.01% or something crazy like that. Um, so it's just high and dry is what you call it. Um, once you get up to the next levels or next, like there's like a graph, you can go on FEMA flood zone um, and it'll pull up a graph and show you all the different ones. Um, but once you get above X is when it can start getting skewed in terms of what a builder is going to look at, because if it's higher, if it's in a flood zone, there's usually restrictions that the county or a city is going to require that builder to use on material. Um, he's going to have to elevate that property, maybe, you know, three extra feet and fill dirt um, is not cheap. And so fill dirt is one of the other things that builders have to factor in on, on these lots, but I don't want to dive into too much of that stuff. Um, so that, those are some of the few key things I just wanted to point out before anything, just so um, you guys are kind of aware of what to at least look for. If you see something, if you're doing on market deals and you're looking at a listing and you know, you're looking at the description of what the agent has for that lot, you know, if you see something about a flood zone, if you see something about you know, utilities, um, in the description or zoning. I, I wanted to mention those things because that's stuff you need to pay attention to if you're reading through a description of what an agent has. That should trigger your brain like, okay, I need to read it. Maybe read that sentence twice or whatever it is. Um, and so now I really want to show you guys what a GIS map, at least our county for our main market, um, what, what it looks like and what you can kind of expect. And again, every GIS map is different. Um, so I was telling Aisha before the show started, it's funny because a lot of times um, when people send us deals and I take a look at it and it's in a county or a city that, you know, we don't do really business in, but I, I'm willing to look. 
sometimes it takes me a long time just to figure out how the damn GIS map works and maneuver it um, because they can be ex extremely tricky. Um, so let's hop over, share my screen. So the first thing I wanted to show is when you go to, let's actually start with Google, huh? So Google, I'm literally going to type in, you know, our county or our market, Bay County GIS map. And it's usually going to be the first one that pops up. Um, and so, boom, takes you to the GIS map. Now, obviously, it's going to show you your map. You plug in whatever address or parcel ID you have. So let's use, um, we'll use a recent deal, 4406 Cato Road. One second here. And I just want to show you guys what this is going to look like. So it takes you to your, your lot, percent essentially, right? Um, and so now every GIS map is also going to have a legend or a key of some sort to where you can kind of filter certain things out. Um, if you want to see just what the zoning is, GIS maps are going to allow you to see your zoning. So you're going to click on land use and zoning. Usually tells you pretty clear. Boom. It's going to highlight. Um, it's going to tell me what that zoning is. Right. So R2BC, if you're new um, to land and you have you're no clue, you're like, what the heck does R2BC mean? Right. Again, as I was saying earlier, this determines what can be built on that lot. Um, and there are restrictions and guidelines that builders have to follow. But for now, just know this. And so whenever you see your zoning R2BC and I, I should tell me if I'm doing a terrible job of explaining this. First thing I'm going to do is go to R2 Bay County zoning. Why? Because that's the zoning. This is our county that we're in, and I want to see what zoning. So every county or every city is going to have a land development regulations, which we'll explain, and I'll show you. It's going to explain exactly what your zoning means. So I'm going to search down here, residential zones. R, what does that mean? Residential. That's, you know, it's pretty simple and pretty dry and cut. Um, and so I'm going to see, okay, boom, R set R2, R2. So... I'm going to click on this, whatever. I'm going to find, okay, so here's R1. Scroll down and just like that, boom, R2. Okay, cool. So now I can see what the county is going to allow me to build on that lot. Um, again, I don't want to confuse anyone. I don't want to overwhelm anyone, but this is, the, this is how we underwrite and evaluate deals. Um, and so I know it can be confusing at times. Um, that's why we're here. That's why we want to help. And hopefully showing this will, will kind of take some of that stress away, at least of somewhat how to maneuver and find what information you need and what to look for. Look, guys, this just like when, you know, if, if for any of the, the, you know, our fellow real estate investors that are out there that maybe, you know, are wholesaling properties and whatnot, you, you please understand that just like when you are learning to comp houses, it's not like you watched a video like this and you're good. You know what I mean? Like this stuff takes practice. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of discovery. It's a lot of, oh, I thought I knew something, but I found out something else or, oh, okay. So it's different here than it is here. The same thing applies, you know, essentially with land. And here's, here's one, if this is any sort of, of comforting uh, information for you, I, I want to leave you with this. When it comes to, to residential real estate properties, like physical, like a house, um, there's appraisal rules, right? There's like, there, there, there are people that it's their job to determine the value of that asset, of that house, right? They, they're called appraisers, property appraisers. Well, like in the land game, it's not, 
there's really not such a thing. You know, there's not a person that you can call and say, hey, can you come evaluate my land and give me a price for it? Um, and so what people are doing is they're, they're calling real estate agents essentially and saying, hey, um, you know, w- what do you think I can, I can get from my lot uh, for the people that are listing? And then the agent comes out and they do what they're taught to do essentially. Well, I wouldn't say they're taught, but what their broker, you know, probably taught them to do because they definitely don't learn how to comp in real estate school. Um, but they'll, they'll look for comps, right? They'll look for other lots in the area um, that are comparable that sold. Well, here's the challenge when it comes to land. Well, land, 100% of the value of land, 100% is based on what a buyer is willing to pay for that land. That's it. That's what determines the value of land is what someone's willing to pay for it. There's, there's no appraisal company. There's no, like when it comes to auto, you know, MSRP, there's none of that. There's no minimum. There's no maximum. You can charge whatever you want. It's a hundred percent what a builder is willing to pay for or what a buyer is willing to pay for. So if you, if you have that knowledge, then you just reverse engineer it a little bit, you know? So look, either you're an investor or you're an end user. I don't know who else would buy land or property. You're either going to use it or you're going to invest in it. End users, you guys know this, will pay more, right? They just will. They're, they're willing to pay more. They're able to pay more. Investors, we can't do that. We, we, need, we need the difference to be able to do what we need to do. We need a little bit of delta in there. We need to be able to make money on this thing that we're doing. So when it comes to land, just be careful with, with comping with other properties because you may be using a comp that was bought by an end user, which they'll pay more, you know, uh, they'll, they're willing to pay more. So if you're using that as your comp, just be careful. So that's that, just something that to, to, to think about deter using other land prices to determine your land price or what, what you want to try and uh, acquire this for uh, before you, you know, disposition it to us or, or a builder or a buyer or something like that. Um, just be, be careful knowing that. So I just wanted to throw that out there really quick. Um, you, you really want to begin with the end in mind. If you are looking to uh, acquire a piece of raw land that's out in rural you know, BFE America, just know that you're not going to want to price that for a builder because a builder is probably not going to drive all the way out there just to build a house out in the middle of nowhere. You know, so that's one of the reasons why Tanner was saying we stick to infill lots. Infill lot is a lot that's in a neighborhood, probably has a house to the left, probably has a house to the right. You probably have one on your street. There's infill lots all over the place. So that's where we focus on. That's our bread and butter, because we know we can go to a builder and say, hey, what can you put there? OK, cool. We know that that they can put that there. So we know that that this is what we can sell them that land for. And that's what we're going to go over in this video is is how to determine the value. Like what are all the things that we are putting into uh, consideration when we're coming up with the price? No, that's, dude, you're a hell of a coach, by the way, or a teacher. Your communication skills are super effective. Um, But uh, yeah, so to piggyback on what Aishan was saying, um, it's important to start with the end in mind, um, which is why, you know, focus on the zoning, what can be built there. Um, And then, like Aisha was saying, we work really closely with our builders. Um, you know, we don't, we don't, uh, what you call it, blast out deals, um, you know, when we get stuff under contract, simply because that's not how our, our model, our company model is based out of. 
again, we, we really take the time to properly evaluate deals because we know what our builders want. Um, and what does that look like? What do you mean, what do your builders want? Well, starters, it means price per square foot. What's it costing our builders to build a spec home? A spec home is a home that's equivalent to a fix and flip, just with a new uh, build date on it. Essentially, that, that, that builder is going to buy a lot, put a home on it, or build a home on it, and turn around and resell it, just like a flip. Um, so when you hear spec home, just know that's, that's essentially what that is. It's a fix and flip, but with new construction. That's all it is. Um, they're revamping the dirt previously that was there. Um, but we, we start with the price per square foot to build. So what does that look like? So I'm going to call a builder. Hey, Mr. Mrs. Builder, um, you know, get to know what they're looking for. Get to know the areas that they want. So, hey, what zip codes are you buying in? What areas of town are you buying in? What areas are you avoiding? Um, are you only looking to build spec builds? These are some of the questions I'm, I'm asking builders when I hop on the phone with them. And then I'm asking, hey, you know, they're like, yeah, we're looking for land. Yeah, we build da, 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 da. Okay, great. Hey, what's your build cost? What does that look like? Um, you know, price per square foot. You're either going to get one of usually one of two answers, which is, hey, here's my build cost, $150 a square foot. Perfect. And I'll explain why that's important here in a second. The other answer is, hey, my wife uh, handles the build cost. It's usually one of the two I get, or I don't know, um, because some builders just don't know. They don't pay attention enough. They subcontract everything out. They get a, a, a bill at the end of the, the build and say, hey, here's what you owe the contractors. And then they sell it. Um, and so they're just more or less there just to hang out and make the designs, build, um, you know, strategize. But when it physically comes to building, um, that's why a lot of builders don't actually know their build costs because they subcontract so much stuff out. Um, but anyways, back to the price per square foot. Why is that important? Because that's how we actually run our offers. Um, so we'll look at if I know one of my builders, um, I, we get a lot under contract um, or we're underwriting a lot before we even make an offer on it. Hey, I know this is X area. I know this would be perfect for one of our builders. I know already the builder in mind. Now from previous conversations I've had with him, I know what he builds. I know what his build costs are. Hey, um, he's at 150 a square foot. He's got a plan. Um, and by plan, I mean a build plan. Um, builders usually typically, especially spec home builders, are going to kind of reuse the same plans. Um, you know, at least they, they may change one or two minor things, but for the most part, um, it, it's pretty consistent on what they like to build. So 150 a square foot, they want to build a 2000 square foot home. Perfect. What do you do with that? You're like, uh, okay, great. That's great information, Tanner. But now what we do is we figure out what the sold comps for properties, like what the average um, construction is going for. So if I know, if I go to Zillow um, and you open up Zillow and you type in filters of 2022 or newer builds sold, and you see that in a, you know, within a mile radius per se, that all the homes are selling um, for 300,000. Um, you see what the price per square foot is. Say they're selling at $250 a square foot. Um, and so I know as long as our builders essentially um, are under that $250 a square foot on their resale, typically they can make some money on it. Now, here's where the key part is. And again, this is why I like to think that we're different than everyone else in terms of how we truly value it land is we, we factor in our builders um, needs first and foremost. And what do I mean by that is we want to make sure that even after we assign the deal, after we make money, that our builders make money and we, they make the money that they want to make. What does that mean? And what does that look like? Most builders on spec builds are going to want to make a minimum, bare minimum, 20% return of their money, 20% return. So if they sell a home for 400,000, 
use your calculator, type in 400, put in 400,000 times 0.2. Um, that's the gross ROI that they're looking to make, plain and simple, right? And so um, we actually use a calculator and I'm, I'm sure we'll break it out at some point, um, not on this episode, but we'll sh the calculator will really get to show you guys very simply. I mean, it breaks it down super easily. Um, we just have to plug in a few numbers and bada beam, bada boom, it spits out information back at us. And that's really how we come up with our, our offers and our values. Um, and so again, piggyback on an item with the, keep the builders in mind first. That's my advice to anyone that's getting into land. If you come across land or come across a lot, um, and, and you know, you think this would be great for a single family home, go call builders in your local market. Um, go look who's building homes in that vicinity, in that area, in that neighborhood, give them a call, um, and say, Hey, again, Mr. Mr. Builder, are you looking for another lot? Um, they'll tell you yes or no pretty quickly. Um, and I don't want to get into too much on the disposition side, so I'll, I'll keep it more to the evaluating um, of the land. Um, so based on that information with the builders and where to start, the few key softwares and programs, I say softwares and programs like you have to pay for them. They're free. Um, but just to mention, use your GIS map. Use your local property appraiser. Your property appraiser is your best friend, really. Um, it's our best friend in our business. Um, I'm, I probably spend more time looking at a damn property appraiser map um, on a daily basis than anything else. Uh, like, like genuinely, like I'm, I'm on that thing. So get to know, get to know whatever county you're in, whatever jurisdiction you're in, city, get to know that, that, that software. Um, man, I'm, I'm drawing a blank. Oh, uh, the key items during due diligence. And so we've got a, I've got a lot of questions recently. Hey, do we keep the same terms on a land deal as we do with a, a residential property? Absolutely not. And what do I mean by terms? I mean, under contract, right? Um, you're going to an agent, you're going to someone and say, hey, um, you know, right now, most of the time with single family property, I see most as a 10 to a 15 day inspection period, right? So you have 10 to 15 days of doing your due diligence um, before or in assigning that property or that residential single family home, um, you know, 10 to 15 days. But on land, it's different. Good luck. Um, you, <laughs> here's at the end of the day, there's a few very, very at minimal, a builder is going to most likely want to get a survey completed before closing um, a boundary survey. And so that survey is just going to show the builder exactly the outlines of that lot. Survey company will go shoot some lasers um, and, and get the basic boundaries to make sure that that lot is as big as the property appraiser or Zillow and everything says it is. Um, and so from there, what's going to happen is those surveys right now for us, and our market typically take anywhere from two to three weeks to from start to finish. I call the survey company. Hey, I need a survey on this lot. Um, you know, how soon can you get it done? Right now, it's usually two to three weeks. Right. So right there, if you're even talking two weeks, that's 14 days before a builder is most likely going to even want to make their mind up of whether they want to purchase that lot. If you're on a 10 or 15 day inspection period, that's your whole inspection period. You're shooting in the dark. So for us, our minimum that we have on inspection periods is a 30 day, which we call it a feasibility period in land. Um, and so we have a 30 day minimal feasibility period, even for just a basic single infill lot where a spec build is going to go. Um, because there's a few steps that builders most likely want to take um, prior to closing on that deal, again, which is a survey. Let me jump in real quick just to give you guys a little more insight around that because. I know that when I was on the, the, the property side of the house, like, you know, houses, 
you you needed your inspection period to essentially get a maybe get in get some photos done but you also use that time to kind of shop your deal right it's different on land because here the, the beauty of it is we truly truly can reach out to builders first our builders are, are happy to talk to us they're not like a lot of flippers and buyers where you know you kind of you know, they're just like, look, you know, just send me deals and, you know, I'll decide. And then over time you build a relationship and then you really find what their buy box. Usually most won't just take the time right away to tell you their buy box, but builders are different. They're not getting hit up by people that want to uh, uh, be a land acquisition source for them. So they're usually like really open to hearing what you have to say. So that being said, when you're talking to a seller and you're, you're trying to, uh, get this property under contract. You're learning, you know, you're asking them the questions about the utilities. Hey, you know, what's the situation with the utilities there? Is it on uh, septic or sewer? Oh, it's it's on sewer. Okay, great. Is the sewer just in the street or has it been brought onto the lot yet? Like these are all really important things uh, to learn. Um, but it's just, it's it's something that you you really want to to, to, to keep in mind and, and keep it simple. I lost my train of thought. I forget, I forget where I was going at with the What's that? He said it happens to the best of us. You're good. Oh, well, anyways, I, I'm sure you'll say something that, that, that'll trigger where I was going with all this. I, I started talking about utilities. I'm like, man, let me go into my acquisition mode. Um, <laughs> no, so utilities, uh, and, you know, and then you want to ask about a survey. Um, oh, that's what we're talking about, inspection period, feasibility. Um, and so when it comes to the feasibility, you do not have to worry about a seller needing to get this done quick. The beautiful thing about land is people aren't desperate. You know, we're not talking with people that have to sell their land. Um, it's great when you get a motivated land seller. Don't get me wrong. When, when, when you get on the phone with someone and you caught them at the right time and their, you know, their daughter's getting married or something like that, and they probably forgot about that lot. And you make them an offer and they're like, oh yeah, that's right. You know, th th those are great. Um, for the most part, people that own land own it for two reasons. They're either going to invest, you know, they're, they're using it as an investment uh, tool to sell later, or they're going to build on it. Like why else would people own land unless it was given to them uh, through uh, what's it called when someone in your family inheritance. Um, yeah. Any of that stuff, uh, divorce or anything like that. Sometimes people do acquire land. And they're like, I don't know how to deal with it. And those again are, are lucky calls, but when it comes to feasibility or inspection periods, don't worry about asking for 30 days. That's normal. Like it is not a big deal. I ask for 30, 40, 45, and 60 day timeframes all the time. They're cool with that because they're usually in no rush for that money. Um, so just something to, to think about. Don't be worried about asking for a, a 30 day. We need time. The more time that you can give yourself, the better. And it's always a good caveat to tell them, hey, look, you know, I because this is a, a raw infill lot, you know, because there's a bunch of trees on and whatnot. We may need to get a soil sample. We, you know, we don't know yet. We may need to do some stuff to this. And so until we get the survey done and can really get in there, we won't know. And so just to play it safe, Mr. and Mrs. Seller, um, let's, 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 you know, let's say 45 to 60 days for a feasibility period. We may be able to get this thing done in two to three weeks. And if that's the case, then we can close, you know, a week later and, and we're good to go. So I always give them like a big range, but then let them know, hey, we can close sooner because we do it all the time. I mean, the majority of our deals are closed quicker than what the seller thought we, you know, we, we would do it at. So yeah, I know a few things. Um, this is more touching on the acquisition side, is a few things that 
to mention is in land, there's, there's not so much emotion um, as Ashton was kind of pointing out is it's very transactional, um, which is good for me because I'm a transactional person, person kind of. <laughs> so I should know that, uh, but it's, um, it's unique, especially when you flip over from, you know, property to land um, for that reason. Just be wary though, in land too, it's so important to get lean searches back and efficiently done. So if you work closely with the title company and, um, you know, title search, because more often than not, so a lot of people don't realize that land gets quick claim a lot. Um, so what does that mean? If for those that don't know what a quick claim, a quick claim is, it's essentially transferring the deed, transferring title without a title company. And so that why is that a big deal? Um, because if there is a lien, like someone that didn't pay taxes in 1980 on a lot, but it's been quick claimed all the way up till now, and someone tries to buy it through a title company now, those taxes are still relevant. So that new buyer or the seller has to essentially pay those taxes from all the way from 1980 because it's never been processed or it's never been a title search done. Um, and, and we haven't ran into too much of that, luckily, but it is something that I know is it happens, it comes up, um, quick claims. And I see that the hairs on the back of my neck go up a little bit. So just don't think about that too hard. I really shouldn't have mentioned that probably because people are like, oh God. Um, but good title company um, will we'll handle all that for you. So um, you're good there. Um, yeah. So I guess back to properly, I really want to show the calculator because it's going to make life so much easier to explain. <laughs> this um, and so actually, you know what? I'm going to do it. For the sake of the people, I'm going to pull up the calculator. And hey, let's go. go. Hey, while he's pulling up the calculator, I'm going to just re really. So I'm I'm on the acquisition side of the uh, of the house, right? So my job is, uh, you know, myself and, and our team. We, we've got a few other guys that that help us in our company that we love to death, and and they help us with the acquisition side of things. But nonetheless, my job is to call that seller, uh, see if they're open to selling get a little bit what, you know, the pillars, just like uh, Brent Daniels uh, calls them. We call them the pillars in our business as well. Um, but our pillars are a little bit different. Um, you know, we definitely still want to find out the condition, the timeline, the motivation and the price. Uh, but it's just a little different. You know, obviously, uh, motivation's a little different. Um, you kind of want to figure that out at the end of the conversation, because usually land is very transactional. And right away, you know, they're, they're not looking to discuss anything other than the matter at hand while you're calling. Um, and so uh, condition of the land, that's more so, you know, what we're after. And so we want to know, you know, the utility situation uh, and surveys, right? That's, that's really it. My calls when I'm, when I'm acquiring, I'm usually asking, hey, so what's the utility situation? I'll deep dive a little bit more into that you know, just because I want to know, you know, they'll say it's on sewer. Okay, cool. Is it on the lot or in the street? Okay. Blah, blah, blah. Or it's on uh, septic. Okay, great. Do you know how long that septic was installed? No, you know, they, they usually never know. Some will know. Do you know what kind of septic it is? Because concrete septic lasts for a long time, whereas steel um, doesn't, you know, it's 15, maybe 20 years. And so there's a lot, a lot, a lot of, you know, little things like that you'll learn along the way. Uh, but you want to find out the utilities, just as much info as you can. A lot of times sellers, they're, they're not aware of the utility situation, but sometimes they are. Um, that, that and has there been a survey done recently? And outside of that, everything else is just rapport building, 
Um, and so it's really, I mean, talking to sellers for, for land is really easy. Um, just keep in mind though, that there are other wholesalers that are, um, you know, pulling lists and coming across these people and calling them. So you're not going to be the first one. A lot of times they are annoyed. Um, but if you have your stuff together, um, and you let them know, Hey, look, I'm not calling to make you an offer right away. I'm calling to gather a little bit of information that I couldn't find publicly. Um, because they'll be like, Oh, you do, do your research on your own. You should have did your research before you called. And that's just because they're so used to people sending them postcards and just calling and saying, Hey, you know, crazy low ball offer. Um, so they're really, if you, you can separate yourself really quickly and in a dramatic way, by not doing any of that, by asking them, you know, hey, look, b before, you know, we even talk about the numbers, let me ask you a little bit about the lot that I couldn't find publicly because this could really help our, our offer. I don't say really help increase our offer. I say really help our offer because increasing is kind of implied, um, but it really does. I mean, we can swing, gosh, 20K on our ask just based on what they say from the utilities. Um, and so it's really good info to have that stuff. A lot of times we'll get an address sent our way. Hey guys, you know, can you help us with this lot? And it's just an address. It's like, what, <laughs> you know, what are we supposed to do with this? We need, we need more info. So at a bare minimum, get the utilities and find out if there's been a survey done recently. As far as the zoning goes, that's for you to know. That's for you to find out before you go to pitch that. Don't ask a seller about zoning because you can find that info on your own. Do not ask a seller about zoning. We talked about that, but I just want to make sure we make that clear. All I really want to know from the seller are the utilities and surveys, because typically everything else can be found publicly. So you want to be a person that does not waste their time, because trust me, landowners do not like their time wasted. So back to you, Tanner. No, it's all about rapport and trust. Um, like we've we found that, you know, for the most part, as much as it is transactional, um, you're, the phone calls that you're going to have with sellers, um, talking about the lot is usually very minimal. Um, there's only so much to talk about, um, about a, a plot of dirt. Um, it's not like a house, right? So keep that in mind, like I'm saying. Um, there's a lot of stuff you don't need to ask. We tried it. Um, it just pisses people off because you feel like you're wasting their time because it's true. You don't want to ask a seller about zoning because you can go find it in five seconds online. So um, but outside of that, um, I'm going to show the calculator for, for everyone. OK, cool. You got it. Uh, no, no, you're good. Uh, so this is an example of a very, very simplistic method to our madness, I guess is the way to say it, um, in, in terms of why we don't use a percent based and why we we do we work from the builders numbers. Um, and again, I would like to point out, um, and this is a relative and recent example, is me and uh, Aisham and another one of our team members, uh, Retta, recently went to lunch with one of our builders. And we were talking about, you know, land deals in our market and all this kind of stuff. Um, when you use a percent based offer method, basically saying, you know, finding a quick comp on Zillow and then going off of that, essentially, um, we're going to we're going to kick your teeth in, in our market. We're going to beat you every time. I promise you, because there's a lot of because and the reason I say that I don't say that to intimidate. I don't sound like to sound like a hard ass. It's because our builder has a he owns a ton of lots. So he gets a lot of calls. He gets a lot of mailers. People are offering sixty thousand dollars on one hundred and fifty thousand dollar lot. But but they don't know that because they're going off of percent based method. 
Um, we know that, so we beat them every time. Um, and so that's why it's important to understand the builders, your market, um, and, and really what they want to build because every market's so different. Um, and, and it's hard to give a percent uh, of what a builder wants to pay for a, a plot of dirt for. Um, so real quick to the calculator. So obviously this is our subject address, whatever. That's the lot that you know we're underwriting. It's a lot you have in a contract, whatever it may be. Um, these are sold comps in the neighborhood. I always try to just stick in the neighborhood. If you have to expand, just think of, again, your, your comp. Um, when you're comparing uh, two single family homes, you're not going to go across a highway. You're not going to use a waterfront house with a house that's you know not on a waterfront. Same thing with a lot. You want to keep it very apple to apple, essentially. Um, if you've got a lot that's no waterfront, look at other lots and stuff that aren't. So these are actually not lots. Um, and when we, again, when we underwrite, we go off of new construction. We don't go off of what other lots sell for because it skews. One could be an end buyer, one could be a developer, right? There's a lot of factors. So we always just, the safest way where we've been the most effective, where we've gotten the best deals is basically by using what new construction selling for. So after a home is built, what does it sell for? Then we extract that data and use that to make our offers on land. So these are new constructions. Obviously lot size is self-explanatory. This is what I was talking about earlier. This is what the sold price per square foot is. After the home is built, resold on the market, that's what the price uh, per square foot comes out to. Um, and I'll explain, I'll show you why down here, why that's important. It's important to understand the square footage of the homes that are being built in the area, because usually that cues you in on what builders are wanting to build, um, what size of homes they're wanting to build. Um, you know, in certain areas, the reason that these homes are 15, uh, uh, 1,150 square feet because there might be a septic tank on every lot. There's no city sewer. And so that's why all these homes are built the same square footage. So there's usually little keys that can cue you in on what builders are most likely. Sometimes on certain lots, builders don't have a lot of options. It's, some lots are very, hey, there's, they can only build a 200 difference of a square foot home and that's it. Um, and so that's why we look at this. And again, I'll explain below why that's important. Um, sold price, this is really not as crazy important, but it's, it's nice to know it's, it is important to understand because you want to know what the builders are going to be targeting for the resale of a home. You're not going to want, a builder's not going to go into this lot. And again, below is really where the meats and potatoes are. And so I'll get into that, but a builder's not going to want to build a home and then try to sell it for 800,000 in this neighborhood. Right. Why? Because all the homes are selling in the mid 500s. That wouldn't make sense. The builder's going to lose money. The home's going to sit because he's priced out of the, the neighborhood priced out of the consumers that live in that neighborhood. So um, Tanner, so, let me ask, let me, let yeah. me jump in because I, I have a feeling that people are, are wondering, okay, so what's, what's the determining factor? If, if we are comparing a land, a piece of land and we're using new construction for comps, do I just grab every new construction and throw it in there? Like, how did you pick those four? You know what I mean? Yeah, like what, what, what if there was a cheaper house? What if there's a more expensive house? Like what, like where did those come from? Yeah. Great question. And I'll, I'll pull up Zillow because you can use Zillow for this. I'll pull up Zillow real quick um, after breaking this down. Um, and so the reason I use these comps again is one, because it's in the neighborhood. It's in the same neighborhood, or at least it's in a very comparable, really close. It might be the neighborhood across the street, but it's very close. Again, you're, I'm not going to look into a gated neighborhood um at what new can if there's a new construction gated neighborhood across the street um and the homes are selling for a million dollars versus this neighborhood where homes are selling for half a million i'm not going to use construction in a million dollar neighborhood 
I want to be really similar to our neighborhood, um, the sale prices of the homes in that neighborhood and all of that. The next thing that I use is I'm looking for the most recent stuff. I, I want, I, I will filter out. I want the most recent solds. Um, and I want to put it in order. Usually when I put this calculator together, when I'm underwriting something, I usually put them in order. Why? Because you can sometimes, not all the time, but you can see a trend right here, right? And as so be it, there's a trend. What is that trend? The price per square foot is going down. Why? Because if you notice, we're getting more recent times, interest rates have been going up. That's important because builders have to factor that in. Most builders aren't building with cash. They're going to banks. They're going to lenders, just like a fix and flipper is. They're going and pulling construction loans. And they have to pay interest on those loans. And as the interest rates go up, people have essentially a $500,000 home. is not the same as it was a year ago because the interest rates are higher. So an end consumer that may have been able to afford that, I'm not going to go into a honey hole and all that shit actually. So moving on. Um, I will talk about that later if we need to though. Um, bed bath count, it's you don't even really need that. I just do it because I like to see what it is. Um, again, it's good for builders. It's a visual. We share with our builders this calculator. All of our deals that we go under contract with that we're trying to sell or whatever, I will fill this calculator out and send it to them. And 99% of the time, they can't argue it because it's, it's, it's numbers, right? If I were to try to tell a builder all this stuff over the phone, um, hey, this is what I did. This is what I, they may believe you. They may understand. But this, there's, it's indisputable. Um, cause it's on paper. It's, it's a calculator it literally fills out stuff for you. So here's where the, 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 the most important stuff is. And that's why what I'm about to show you, that's why all the comps are important. So our lot cost, lot cost. This is what a builder is going to pay for the lot. So this isn't your wholesale. This, this isn't what you want to lock it up for. We run numbers based on what a builder is going to pay. Cause you can always work down from there to wholesale. If I know a builder is going to pay 189, guess what? You just have to be under 189. Go lock a deal up for 160, whatever you want. Um, so as long as I know what a builder is going to pay, groovy. I just know we have to be less. So that's why we use the builder's cost in these lot prices. So obviously, again, we're using this example. So we know lots in this area go for you know 150 to 200,000. So 189. Um, I wish I had a better answer. I just kind of know. And over time, you just kind of cue in on areas of what stuff's going for, but you can literally plug and play. And so here's the best part about this, this little square down here at, see how it's green. If you wanted to do 210,000, Oh, let's see if a builder is going to pay 210,000 turns this red. Why does it turn red? Cause remember how I mentioned earlier in the episode, builders want a bare minimum of a 20% return. I have met very few builders that want to build something and try to sell it to make 20%. Um, and so as we want to be over 20%, which again is why we're at 189,000. Boom. So title and fees, self-explanatory, um, final lot price. Again, that's your title and escrow fees plus your lot price of what a builder is going to pay, right? So this is what total for the dirt that the builder is going to pay. Now the build cost, this is why this stuff is important, right? And this is why talking to builders and understanding what their build costs are is extremely, extremely important. So I know most of our builders in this area are building about $200 a square foot, which is why this is 200 and not 400. So this is what they're building for. This is what it's going to cost them to build that house. Next is the build size. This is what a builder is going to, the size of the home the builder is going to build. And if you don't know, if you haven't talked to enough builders, you don't have plans from builders, you just don't know, just use very close to what 
you know, your, your comps are showing. That's a good estimate again, because most of the time they're going to be very similar. So if you see all the homes are selling for about 2,500 square feet, plug in 2,500. Um, and so that's how we get this. So now what this is going to do is it's going to multiply, obviously your built your uh, price per square foot times the square foot of the home that the builder is going to build. So that's their build cost. Just again, this is not hundred percent accurate, right? Everyone's different, but this always helps us get a good understanding of what builders are going to pay at least kind of what their costs are, what a good ballpark or range is. Um, and then your total all in cost. So this is what a builder is going to be all in. He buys the dirt, pays the closing cost, does whatever, builds the home. That's what his all-in cost is after he's built the home, bought the dirt, puts it on the market. First day, he puts it on the market. So why is this important? Because this is what his break-even number is, right? So now at 432, 780, if a builder becomes less than that, if he has to sell a home less than that, he's not making money, right? Um, and so down here, this is where it filters our the average sold comps, so projected sale price. So it's going to filter our average of the comps, average price per square foot, build size. Boom. It's going to put in our build size of our build and it's going to, it's going to put out a projected sales price. So that's what a builder can expect to sell that home for on the market based on the comps. I hope everyone's following with that. And I wish uh, if anyone needs um, help with that, I would love to you know talk to them off air. If I need to make a phone call or whatever, just DM me, please. I want to help as many people. Um, but this is your projected sales price. So a builder can expect, hey, if I go ahead and list this thing on the market for $590,400, there's a good chance it could sell. Um, but the thing is with builders, what are they going to do? What's any smart investor going to do? They're going to list that for $615,000, right? So that, that way they built in that the counter. Um, but this is what they can expect to sell that, that lot at. Um, closing cost, again, self-explanatory, 6%. Why 6%? Um, it's agent commissions, right? Builders aren't selling new construction homes for the most part. I know we know someone that does, but for the most part, they're not selling it off market or pre-selling. They're, they're having to pull an agent and that agent has to go list it on the MLS form. And then they have to pay those fees, right? When they sell that home. Um, so here's where the money is for the builder. A builder is going to project or at least on this deal specifically, a builder can project if he builds at that price per square foot, that size home, and it sells at that price, he can expect to make a gross of $122,196, or $196, right? Which then filters into, we know that's over 20%. Um, I know I kind of ran through that really quickly, and I know if you're scratching your head, I apologize. Uh, I tried to explain that as, as good as possible. And hopefully looking at this, um, you know, screenshot the screen. Um, if you're just listening, um, go on our YouTube. Um, we, it'll have a video and it, it, it'll physically show you. So you can, you can look at it and see what I'm talking about um, if you're, you're only listening. So um, Aisham, do you have anything you want to poke at, add a uh, question for that may help the audience that I'm not thinking of or? Um, so, I mean, you broke down our calculator really well. Um, it's just, unfortunately we don't have this as public information, so I'm not sure, um, you know, if, if that's going to be valuable information for you guys, but it's, it's more so just to kind of give you an, an idea of the different layers, you know, and, and all the different things that go into evaluating a land deal. And so look, bottom line is you hear all the time land is easier 
And frankly, it kind of pisses me off when people say that just because it's, it's like people saying, Hey, like you can get started in real estate with, with no money down. It's true. You totally can. It's just very rare. You know what I mean? You need to at least put earnest money down. So it's one of those things where it just sounds better than what it really is. Um, and so look, guys, like if you're curious about land, reach out, love to talk. Not look, I'm, I'm not in, in the convincing business. I could care less if we get more competition. If anything, I don't want people doing land, but we, you know, we're, we're not scarcity minded people. Like we'd love to help. Um, but please don't do this because you think it's easier. You know, that, that is, that's a recipe for failure and you probably shouldn't want to go for the easier thing. You know, if it's something that you, you know, it just seems challenging. It seems alluring. You want to know, um, then go for it, you know, by all means. But here's the thing about land, you know, it's, it's not, you know, it's kind of like, you know, a lot of us, when we started, we, we tried working multiple markets and then we realized, oh crap, I've spread myself way too thin. I need to focus on a market. It's the same when it comes to, you know, the real estate game. If you're trying to wholesale a house on Monday, a multifamily on Tuesday and a land deal on Wednesday or Thursday, like good luck. That's, there's so many different variables to each one of those things. You know what I mean? From the conversation that you have with the seller to the type of buyer to the underwriting process. I mean, multifamily alone, you know, that's, that's next level stuff. So I don't want to say land is next level or anything. It's just different. Um, and so if you are primarily focused on residential real estate and a land deal falls in your lap, if you don't want to deal with land, don't deal with it. Just, just, you know, it's not like every single opportunity you get, you have to try and do something with get okay with like moving on. But if you really want to learn the land game, I mean, it's, this is a brilliant, brilliant uh, area. It really is. It's totally different. I'm not going to say it's better. It's not, I'm not gonna say it's worse. Cause it's not, it's just different. It really is. Um, you know, the, the whole saying is, you know, in land, we don't have toilets, tenants, or termites. And it's like, ha you know, that's funny. Um, but what we do have are uh, transactional sellers. You know, it doesn't matter how good of a salesman you are. If, if a person has a certain number in mind, you know what I mean? Like you've got you've to figure out how to, how to either help get their number down by educating them uh, or just, just move on, you know, whereas, you know, in, in properties, you're really trying to, to get that person to just trust you, you know what I mean? To link, to link up and do all that. I mean, if you still want to build trust and land, of course, it's a, it's a major issue, but ultimately it just comes down to the numbers. And so for land, valuating your deal is a big deal. I mean, it's a huge deal. Um, you know, on, on, the, on the house side of things, it's, it's a huge deal only in the sense that you want to, um, you may have to retrade if you lock it up too high. You know what I mean? Like those things happen kind of earlier on in your business. And eventually, you, you know, you don't have that problem anymore. Uh, land's different. It just, it just is. Um, and so I just wanted to, to throw that out to you guys. Um, I see Joe, Joe's got a question. Are you pricing lots at 10 to 20%? of new condition. Um, Tanner, what's your answer to that? Uh, I, I'm assuming Joe means construction. I, I hope that's 
what he means. Um, oh, new construction. I, it's funny when I first read the comment, I, I thought it said nutrition. I don't know what, there's no N or U in there, whatever. Anyways, um, Joe, so um, it just, it changes per market. So what we see is 10%, right now, our builders are about 10% of resale value. Um, and that, again, that's for a spec home. And so the, the biggest indicator though, is when you, I, I shouldn't say indicator, the, the biggest thing that we need to pay attention to when you're doing it based on a percentage of resale is what's a luxury area, like a luxury market, a luxury neighborhood. Um, you know, like if you're in one market and there's certain areas that are million dollars, usually that 10% gets thrown out the window um, because that's where custom home builders get started coming into play, semi-custom home builders. And so they pay a little more because they have actual clients. Um, and so... Quick, quick example. Sorry. There's an area uh, in our market. So we got, you know, Panama City, Panama City Beach, and you move over to um, Santa Rosa Beach. And this is up in the panhandle of Florida where there's this area called 30A. I mean, it's like 10 minutes from Panama City Beach, right? Not far at all. But you have a quarter acre lot in Panama City Beach that would probably go for 70 to 80 to maybe 90,000, you know, something like that. You move that 20 minutes over and that is now a $300,000 lot, you know? And, and yeah. what's funny is they're going to build a million dollar house on it. So if you take the percentage deal and you go with that real rigid, okay, 10, you know, 10 to 20%, whatever, let's just say 10%. Cause that is, you know, builders typically are about 10% of the sold price is what they're looking to buy land at. Well, you go to this market million dollar house, you're thinking, okay, 10%, that's what, $100,000, right? Am I saying that right? $100,000, right? You're going to get laughed at. You make a $100,000 offer on a lot in this area. I mean, they, they, you know, lots everywhere, that same right across the street just sold for 300, 400,000. Um, so it's tough when you, when you just approach this with the, with the straight up percentage, you, it really is very, very market specific. Good news is, Builders love talking about this stuff because they would love the help. They would love someone feeding them deals. So get on the phone with a, a builder in that area and, and have a conversation. Yeah. And I want to give a few just really quick relative examples. So there's a certain place in our market where homes sell for 300,000. Um, every lot goes for about 30,000, right? 10%. You're like, heck yeah, I figured out, I figured out the, the method. Um, and so, but again, like I was saying, you move that that same lot over, um, that price goes up. And so and the few reasons those prices go up is based on the strategy, the exit strategy. Um, and so for another example, um, just 30 minutes one way um, in our market, um, a, a 50 by 65 lot, just like I was showing on the calculator, can go for 150,000, but homes are only selling for 550,000, right? That's way more than 10% of lot value. But why is that? Because a lot of builders in that area are building a home and then selling to investors for short-term rentals because it's close to the beach, right? And so it's, that's why it's also important to understand where you're, what, what type of user is going to be purchasing those builds. Um, and again, you have to factor that in because the reason that $300,000 homes in one area, builders are buying 30%, at 10% of that value is because they know they're just going to stick a, maybe a first time family, first time home buyer in that home. Um, and there's no investment strategy behind it. But then again, you go 30 minutes down the coast 
And that 30,000 lot turns into a $150,000 lot, even though the homes are selling for 500,000. Again, if you do the math in your head, that's way more than 10%. But that's because an investor is buying that property. And then you go 30 minutes further down where I was talking about um, in the 30A region. Um, holy smokes, good luck. I'm just kidding. Uh, it's so, again, small lots, 400,000, and they're building two, $2 million homes on it. Again, do the math, that's way over 10%. Um, there's even lots that will sell for 450,000 and they're only building $1.4 million homes. Again, way more than 10%. So it's just important to understand the exit strategy on the builder's end um, and understanding your market. That's the biggest thing um, to keep it simple, understand your market. And that's Great really question, all I have to add way. to that. Um, but whew, um, yeah. We're at an hour. We are at an hour. I don't want to drag this on. I know if I don't pull Tanner's plug, he'll he'll keep going. (laughs) He's a machine. Um, Guys, look. Okay, so uh, moving forward, we're going to be doing this every Wednesday, right? We're we're still not sure on the format of doing this. It's ugly. It's always messy in the beginning. I'm sure it was in your business. We had no clue when we hit live. Like when we hit start broadcast, we're like, what's going to happen? Like we, we, you know, this we're we're figuring out. You know, just like uh, you know, everyone else is as well. And by the way, I you know. I don't want us to sound like we've been doing land for years and we've got all this knowledge and experience. We've got, we've got quite a you know, decent amount because we've, we have condensed um, a massive, I mean, we've probably sold 15 to 20 lots in the last few months. Like, and you know, average assignments, 10, 10,000, 10, 15,000. Um, and so it's, you know, we, we've done a lot, but we're no experts by any means. And so, uh, we will not come on here and tell you something that we are not sure of. Um, and if one of us says something that, you know, we don't think is true, then the other one will chime in. We do it all the time in our business. It's, it's kind of funny. Um, we just want to be transparent. We want to be helpful. There's no ulterior motive. <clears throat> Matter of fact, I tell people all the time, I kind of don't want you sending us lots. Like we have, <laughs> we have our own acquisition team. We have our own process. If, if we get sent a lot, it, throws us off. Now we have to, you know, go work outside of our CRM and then, you know, bring in this thing. And, but we just love helping people. We, we, we know what it was like for us. It was tough. It really was. It was tough learning this stuff We're we are kind of on an Island. And so we're like, look, we, we want to provide a resource for people. Most other land stuff out there is kind of course it's courses. You got to pay money. You can't just learn and then, you know, f- figure it out. So we want to provide a resource for, for everyone that's out there. That's curious about land. Um, hopefully again, you're not just looking to, you know, a land deal land on your lap. So, Hey, let me go ask these guys and, and try and sell this and then go right back to houses, you know, kind of make a commitment. Yeah. Pick, that's- pick a lane that you want to stay in. Go ahead, Tanner. That was just the last thing I was going to add is if you're wanting to, if you're hoping to learn land to do it, uh, I don't want to say part-time, um, but at least just kind of hoping to quickly, how do I come up with an offer and throw it out? To be honest, we're probably not the best fit. Um, if you're, if you're genuinely want to learn the, the deep dive into land, um, that's who we are again, because our goal is development. Um, we, we want to build anything and everything. And so that's why we underwrite and evaluate stuff the way we do. So again, if you're looking for someone to hopefully give you just a quick number, a quick offer, sure, we can do that, but it, I can't promise you it's going to be close. And I can, I just will say straight up, we're probably not the best fit in terms of who you want to learn from. 
Um, there's a few other whole, you know, wholesale land people you can go to, but our, our models pretty unique and pretty different. Um, and we know a few other people, but it's different, but anyways, I need to wrap this up. I know Aisha needs to wrap this up. Uh, it's the middle of the workday, so we got other stuff to do. Um, but yeah, this is, this has been fun. Um, any feedback you guys have, any comments, any questions, um, that you want us to talk about or a topic about land, put it in the comments, um, leave a comment, uh, like subscribe, do whatever, but mostly just leave a comment. So we know what you guys are needing to talk about and we can either go do homework or we can get, bring up that comment and question on the next episode and, and talk about it for you. So, um, yeah. please, please feel free to do that. As of now, every, every, every week we'll have some sort of a theme, right? You know, like, like today we really wanted to cover how to determine the value of land because the number one question we get, um, it's the most difficult thing to explain. And so we wanted to take the bulk of our time to really kind of just nerd out and dive into this. And I'm, I'm sure that a lot of people's eyes are glazing over when they're hearing all this info. Cause it's a lot. It's like drinking from a, a you know, fire hydrant. It's a lot, but have no fear. Know that we're going to be here. We're here, but we're going to be here every week live. Uh, jump in. If you got a question, do like uh, Joe, is it Joe, do like Joe did. And, um, and you know, throw your question in there. If you want to get some clarification on what we're saying, we're live, you know, let, let, let's go. Um, Hey, what do you think, Tanner? What do you think about throwing um, 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 Papas's uh, info out there? You cool with that? Yeah, I'm. I'm totally game. Okay, so Mavro Academy. Did I spell it right? A C A D M Y. Yeah, MavroAcademy.com. Guys, so there, there's a gentleman in Arizona. His name's Anthony Papas. Anthony is a G. Um, he was like the land goat for us when we first got started. Um, and he's a guy, I mean, his first year, he did like one point, we had him on our podcast, Wholesale Elite. Um, he, uh, I think he did 1.3 his first year, 1.5 his second year. You know, one of the guys on his team did a quarter million just, you know, in assignments one year. Um, so he knows his stuff. And ironically, his approach is the same as ours, where he, he looks for infill lots and he sells it to builders. And he's built a massive business doing that. You know, I mean, in one market. So now he's ready to branch out to other markets, and his team is huge. It's four people, huge team, and he's and he's crushing it. So that that's a joke. It's really not a big team, but it doesn't take it doesn't take a lot of cold callers. It doesn't take a ton of leads. This is this is a completely different thing. It doesn't take a ton of money. You don't need a dialer. You don't need any of this stuff. You can literally drive for dollars. Literally use that GIS map. Use a property appraiser's map. Look around. Look for little squares with trees all over it or no house odds are if it's in a neighborhood that's an info lot click on it see the owner's names throw that put that person's name in a true people search get their info call them ask them if they're open to selling then yes they are open to selling cool tell me about the utilities any survey done great you have a price any price in mind that you're looking to get okay cool well let me call you let me get to work and do a little bit more research and i'll call you back with an offer call them back make that offer and then go from there you know, you don't have to overcomplicate this stuff. You really don't. Um, if you do want to learn land more, then I would highly, highly, highly advise you to go to this course. It's free, mavroacademy.com. It's free. It's super free. There's no, you know, uh, you go in here and it's free, but at the end, you know, there's no ads. There's nothing. Anthony is a G. He literally paid a lot of money in production to put this thing together. And he's a really good teacher. He's a guy who can take 
you know, what would, what, what Tanner would take three hours and condense it into about eight minutes. So <laughs> I love busting Tanner's chops. Um, anyways, so mavroacademy.com um, is, is a great resource. We're probably not going to promote that that much on this show just because we want to kind of keep things in our ecosystem. But we also want to let you guys know there's a phenomenal resource out there through Anthony. We trust him like crazy. He's, he's a good guy to follow. Um, and so with that being said, mavroacademy.com is a, is a great resource. Um, so guys, we're going to be here every Wednesday, uh, 12 o'clock my time. I'm, I'm in Alaska all the way to four o'clock uh, Eastern time. So uh, we may not go an hour every time, um, but <laughs> we're here for you. Yeah, we're, we're here for you. Throw in some questions in the comments. If you're watching this after the live, that's fine. Still drop questions in, whether you're on YouTube or Facebook, we will scour those questions. If it's something we can answer right then and there, then great. But if it's a really good question, we'll still answer it right then and there, but we'll put it on the show too and kind of really deep dive. And so like, thank you guys so much for, for joining us on our, our first, you know, live episode. Uh, they will get better. Bear with us. Um, and yeah, I, I, I happy hunting for you guys. I, I wish you all the best. What you got Tanner? That's it. Let's, uh, Let's get back to work, but no, just kidding. Anyways, uh, yeah, just like, subscribe, comment if you have any questions so we can put it into the next show ahead of time. Um, and, and, you know, stay tuned for the next episode of the Wholesale Elite as well, which comes out every Monday. If you want to learn um, or at least listen to high level, successful, you know, real estate entrepreneurs, um, people that make a lot of money in real estate, um, whether it's from wholesale, um, whatever. Um, you want to tune or in. people that are just getting started and they've done three or four deals and four they're nine. fresh and they can tell you what's what's happened. We've got it all. Yeah. So uh, just that comes out every Wednesday or every Monday. This comes out every Wednesday. Uh, that comes out every Monday. So uh, again, like, subscribe. Um, you'll want to tune in. But outside of that, smash that like button. I am right? out. We're supposed to say that. Smash that like button. Yeah. Like, peace out, guys. But yeah. See you. What up, Elite fam? That's a wrap for today's episode. But look, if you got value out of the show today, do us a huge favor and give us a review or give us a like or subscribe. Do all the things to help us get the word out there. And look, we want to see you on the next show. So get out there and crush it, make it happen. Stay tuned for the next episode. Peace.